Brown Girl Radiance celebrates the brilliance of women of color through reflective conversations and stories. I'm your host, Pure Brown Joy. Happy Black History Month. It's my favorite time of the year. First, I want to say congratulations to Michelle Obama for winning a Grammy for Best Spoken Word Album for Becoming. As I've mentioned multiple times throughout this season, it's captivating to hear Michelle sharing her story in her own words. And that's why we're celebrating the book this season. I would also like to give a shout out to President Barack Obama, who won a Grammy for Best Spoken Word Album in 2006 for his book, Dreams from My Father. I just picture their two Grammys sitting on a shelf somewhere next to each other, holding hands, giving us relationship goals, just like Barack and Michelle. I also want to congratulate Matthew A. Cherry and Karen Rupert Tolliver for winning the Oscar for Best Animated Short Film, Hair Love. You can watch it on YouTube. It's such a beautiful representation of family and love. As a father struggles to learn how to do his daughter's hair when her mother is ill. During his acceptance speech, Matthew said, hair love was done because we wanted to see more representation in animation. We wanted to normalize black hair. He also talked about getting the Crown Act passed in all 50 states, which is a law that would prevent people from being discriminated against because of their hair in schools and at work. Crown is an acronym for creating a respectful and open world for natural hair. During the second episode of the first season of Brown Girl Radiance podcast, we celebrated all of the beauty of black hair and black women using the women of Wakanda as a reference point in an episode called Bald is Beautiful. So make sure to go check it out because it's actually one of my favorite episodes from that season. As for this season, I'm excited to keep the conversation going with the Michelle Obama Becoming Book Club. So my guest today, I met while frequenting my favorite retailer, Target. They aren't sponsoring my show yet. That's okay. Yet, exactly. That's the operative word. Um, And she has now transitioned her career into tech, and she's getting her master's in marketing. She has also become my movie buddy, the Siskel to my Ebert. I tried. (laughs) We actually, we left to go, like, see movies and then hash out our commentary in the parking lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, In fact, today, once we're done with our recording, we're going to see the photograph. A chick flick. (laughs) For the culture. For the culture. I will see for the culture. (laughs) She doesn't, she doesn't like chick flicks, but that's okay. (laughs) Uh, And she's also going to be starting a blog called Melanin Pop, and I'll let her tell you all about that later. So with that, I want to welcome to Brown Girl Radiance Podcast, 
Minkoya. Hello. <laughs> it is I, Minkoya. You don't know me, but that's all right. I'm here to talk. <laughs> and that you do very well. I do. As I well as writing, which is why, you know, you're going to be starting your blog soon. Do you actually want to maybe, actually, I'll let you go ahead and talk about your blog just a little bit before we get... Just a little bit. Okay, I won't go too deep, but it's uh, called Melanin Pop. Um, It's called Melanin Pop because, one, the person who thought of it and authored it has a vast amount of melanin. Um, (laughs) And pop because it focused on pop culture. And it's the part of pop culture that I find interesting Um, which a lot of people, every time they meet me, as melanated as I am, they're kind of like, you like, what? What's that on your shirt? So it focuses on anime, K-pop, K-dramas. Soon, once I can't finish this last class, it will also include telenovelas, um, skincare, just everything that I like, which everyone hears me say and talk fluently about, and they're like, they like what they hear, but then at the same time, they're looking at me, and they're like, you sure you like this? I'm like, I mean, yeah. So, Melanin Pop is really what I, my little baby, that I call a safe place. So, all of, like, I have a bunch of friends who have always, like, oh, I wish I could get into K-pop or K-dramas or anime. Like, but I don't know anything about it, and blah. And I'm like, well, you know what? Now, melaninpop.net is there for you um, to introduce you to the world of what they call nerd. But I love it. Anime. Like, black girl nerd. Yeah. Which we all have, you know, our different forms of nerddom, right? So it's it's all good. And and when you said skincare, that reminded me that you actually helped me when I was in Target. Yeah. (laughs) Pick out my foundation. And actually, that's where we would have a lot of our conversations exactly. in the cosmetic. In the cosmetic <laughs> department. Um, I, what, what, what foundation did I pick? You, uh, you helped me pick out know. mahogany. Oh, yes, mahogany. Is the, is the tone that I use. Um, and uh, I, I would say the brand, but again, these people aren't paying me yet. So. Exactly. <laughs> so, so it's mahogany. It's just so. mahogany. <laughs> I love how, like, in the realm of, getting a little off topic, but I won't go too long, like, the realm of, like, makeup and whenever it's trying to be for, like, brown girls, it always gets into, like, either woods or food. <laughs> like, what are you? I am chocolate kisses or, you know, caramel toffee, um, you know, mahogany. You know, give me a little, can I have a little bit of teak with my mahogany? <laughs> Throw in a little bit of chocolate kisses and honeydew. Thank you. Thank you. That's my skin tone right there. The little bit of chocolate kisses with honeydew. <laughs> That's a good observation, actually. I never thought about that. I love it. Just, oh, go. Go but once you know, they color they're, they're just trying mm-hmm. to describe all of our, our beautiful I mean, I love it. I, I like a, it then. Colorful... But, I mean, it's a lot better than black, less black, a little bit less black, black with a little bit of less black and undertones and maybe red but still black you know yeah, so definitely so. call me mahogany and caramel and chocolate, ta- chocolate kisses. kisses with honeydew <laughs> okay. I'm I sure the that. listeners are I like that on the shirt. <laughs> right right I, I feel like my listeners are like now are they are they talking about the book right now no but we're we're about to we're we're about to, we're about to go there so now you, <laughs> you get a peep into uh our world uh, and how our conversations go, but we'll try our best to stay on task. Again, I said we will try our best. 
we will chat about the book. So my first question for you is actually what stood out to you from the Becoming book? Um, A lot of things really stood out to me, but I will say, like I said before, what stood out to me was the, the, the dynamic of their relationship, like how they're almost polar opposites. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I found it funny and cute, too, because, you know, Michelle is just saying, listen, here's the boxes, check, 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 check. They're going to have a little bit of green on this plate of meat and a little bit of brown in there for reference. And then you have Obama, who, like I said, reminds me of like a hippie with a law degree <laughs> who's kind of just floating yeah. through, yes. you know, leaving a trail of papers, possibly a piece of butter on the counter, <laughs> you know. And I just found it like so very real. And that stood out to me. That was a really real book. It wasn't just fluffy. Right. Yeah, no, I think, uh, like you mentioned, how their lives are just structured so differently. Um, And even, like, how Barack had a hole, as he called it, which was basically, like, not quite a man cave, but just a place where he would, like, read and there'd be papers and multiple books and all kinds of things. And Michelle kind of preferred order. But she respected the whole because from the whole came, of course, all of his brilliance. Exactly. Somehow. <laughs> I mean, there's, as I as I told you, like, I, be, I believe in that. Yeah. I believe in a little bit of chaos. And even the, as I, like I say, you know, it may feel like chaos. It may look like chaos. And it, in fact, may be a little <laughs> bit of chaos. However, there is order in here. Right. There is order in that chaos. Right. Something is being done. So. Right. You can't see it. It's all relative, but it's right. It's there. Exactly. There's order. Yeah. No. I think <laughs> we. I think you know most people have some type of version of that in their lives, like where something looks like a mess to you, but you know exactly where exactly. <laughs> everything is, and like in that little you know pile of. It's like oh, yep. There's the. This is right here. This is right here. Here's like, the receipt uh, that I was looking for. <laughs> like, where did that come from? You can't find anything in this room. Of course I can. I put it there. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. So, yeah, it's just a very um, interesting dynamic, too, even in terms of their family backgrounds and, you know, uh, Michelle coming from such a very, like, as you'd mentioned when we were chatting the other day, like, such a structured background right. of family, very, like, nuclear <laughs> yeah. in nature. And then you have Barack, who's, like, being raised by his grandparents in Hawaii his mom lives in Indonesia but she sends letters and dad is in Kenya in Kenya and kind of like strange met him like a couple times but right. you know so just all of all of those dynamics but how the beauty of of those dynamics came together and were able you know to accomplish so many amazing things for uh, for our nation and just in history itself and give us that beautiful reflection of black love and more importantly just love right right um, right and kind of breaking out like of black stereotypes as well that's another thing that stood out to me about the relationship it was very much a um um like defining their own normal yes like normal for them is just normal because everyone in world in the world depending you know not depending on your color mm-hmm. is this normal or your country or culture is this right. normal like for you as a person for us as 
a couple, this is our normal. Right. And it's not defined by what the world or everyone else says should be our normal. And I, that really stood out to me, and I really liked that. Yeah, even when I think about, like, when they first got married, and, <laughs> and uh, Barack had this book deal that he'd already, like, was past the deadline on, and he was just like, so I'm going to go to Indonesia in a cabin. Right. That my mom has already uh, reserved for me. I died I'll be, <laughs> I'll be there for about six weeks, but I'm going to, like, get this book done. And for, you know, Michelle, again, like, you know, she kind of made a joke. Like, essentially, he's, like, going on after their honeymoon. Now he's going on, like, another honeymoon with himself. <laughs> right? And But being able to still under, like, because she understood him instead of being like no you can write right here in chicago okay don't you have this little hole take it behind in that little hole and write that book that you were supposed to already have written um you are not going to the other side of the world to sit in a cabin on a beach right Right. (laughs) but instead you know supporting and you know there's that's their normal. Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah, that was their normal for sure. Uh, there was actually um, a line where, you know, she kind of talks about um, how um, essentially she realized that, you know, as much as she missed Barack, with them being newlyweds, it was probably actually better for their relationship in terms of balance Mm -hmm. and so yeah so even just like you said being able to realize that like I want to be with him but in order for him to accomplish what he needs to I'm gonna let him do what what is his normal right (laughs) so yeah so yeah definitely (laughs) I love the wedding proposal how it was like a debate (laughs) And then yeah. what he said, like, that should shut you up. I thought that was hilarious perfect. and cute. Per- but it perfect. was perfect for two, for for two t- lawyers. For two lawyers. Like, <laughs> I was like, this is this is perfect. This makes sense. It feels right. Like, uh, okay, I see that happening. I approve of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, so another quote that I actually just wanted to highlight really quick from Michelle and, you know, we're talking about it being their normal and everything, is she said, coexisting with Barack's strong sense of purpose was something to which I had to adjust. Not because he flaunted it exactly, but because it was so alive. So um, I thought that was just a really beautiful way of, like, encapsulating, again, the essence of who, um, who he was to her and that influence that he had on really just opening her up from her, you know, (laughs) her very kind of, you know, standards that she held about life and really opening her up to, you know, his, what did you call him? Uh, A hippie? Hippie with a a law degree, degree. you know, swaying in the breeze. (laughs) Big thoughts. And like I said, I had the picture, like, Michelle is very down to earth, grounded like a tree, and then there's Barack floating by he's a cloud in the sky you know great things we would love the cloud if it's too shiny it's not too shiny if it's too shiny you know please move this way a little bit excuse me where are you going just drift this way all right drift with the breeze drift with the breeze people come on (laughs) but it's cute i love it and it makes sense and it kind of shows how they orbited around each other exactly 
so speaking of Michelle kind of being that tree, uh, she talks a lot about her family and that like foundation that she had and that again that structure. And so one relationship that she highlighted in the book was that with her like older brother. And I know that you also have older brothers. In fact, how many brothers do you have? Five, Five brothers. Nobody needs that many brothers. <laughs> I mean, it's great. I'm glad they're here. Thank the Lord. But um it's not necessary. So if you're thinking that, oh, I would love to have a daughter, um, I would like her to be the baby and have nothing but older brothers and it's, it's unnecessary. <laughs> You don't need, just get a dog. Well, I mean, you also have five protectors, I'm sure. So I wanted to ask you, was there anything that resonated with you in terms of that family dynamic? Um, yes. Um, so I have a very blended family. I call the, but we always were referred to as like the Black Brady Bunch because my dad had his <laughs> kids from a previous marriage. My mom had us from a previous marriage. So we blended together. Um, which is how I ended up with so many extra older brothers um, that came out of nowhere. But I was really young, so I just went with the flow of things. But I still had my, my old, the oldest one was still my mom from my mom, my, my brother, brother. But we still call each other brothers. So right. no, no definition like that. But yeah, there was a time when my mom got really sick, and I didn't understand how sick she was until I was a lot older, mm-hmm. um, how sick she was. But at the time, my, uh, my oldest brother, it was his job to make sure that as a first grader, I got out the house in matching clothes with some semblance of a hairstyle that he would take me to the front of the school, his high school, which was next to my elementary school, and have one of his female friends come out and, like, you know, put the little beady balls in my hair so I could go to school looking, you know, decent. Because that's, you, we're very much about our hair. It's a cultural thing, so he knew the un, understood the important importance, even as a high schooler, that she can't have her hair looking crazy. Like, she's going, she's in kindergarten, she can't, please do my sister's hair. <laughs> I love that. It kind of reminds me of Hair Love, which I mentioned earlier, just won the Oscar. Right. Um, so, yeah, I love that. That's so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he didn't do my hair. And my dad tried. I, I don't <laughs> want it to be... Overlooked that my dad tried. Yeah, he's a really big man, and I have this picture from my childhood in my mind that I could not gloss over. Like my dad is a really big guy. He's like six five, two hundred something or three. I don't know, but he got big hands, and I'm really tiny. And he used to. He thought he was the master. He used to cover his gigantic hands in that pink look, that pink moisturizer. Yes, and just crap, just gloop it all on my head, and so my whole head would have like a little. Like that little white pink little gloss to it, but he had a he had the little beady balls or something, and I looked crazy. And I had a little since his hands were so much bigger than my little pea shaped head, I had like hand marks of grease on my face. <laughs> it was just they tried. You know, it's funny because actually I do remember one time my dad was doing my hair because my mom was like out of town. And one no, one difference that I noticed, which I don't think I was able to, like, articulate at the time because I was maybe, like, in the first grade or something. But looking back, like, the way that he would do, like, try to pull up the ponytail, because they don't want to use too much strength, right? <laughs> they're almost not using enough, enough strength. And it's like, this little, like, do you see, you have to put, a, put your back into it, okay? <laughs> 
Get the roots. Get the roots. <laughs> yes, I just remember, exactly. I just remember feeling like, oh, like daddy doesn't do my ponytail the same. <laughs> <laughs> but they tried. They know. tried. It's just beautiful. Another thing that really I identified with was the was the escape routes that her brother did, like within the book. Um, during the becoming me section, I'm always practicing escape routes because for whatever reason, I still do them to this day. My brother started it because, um, you know, he was in high school. He was trying to do his high school thing. He has a little kindergarten sister. She needs to be occupied. He's like, all right, practice an escape route. Go this. So I, and I had, I read books. So I had such a huge imagination that I can think of any disaster. And I'm like, well, if this happens, then we're going to go this way. Like, we lived in the country, and we had a pond in our backyard, and sometimes we had goldfish in there, sometimes there were snakes. And so I was like, so if a snake gets in the kitchen, happened before, it's country. Um, if a snake gets in the kitchen, then that's why we'll have this broomstick right here, and then I scoot it. Th- it was the most bizarre things. And to this day, I still do it. Every new apartment I go into, my roommate think it's bizarre. I'm like, I know, if a fire breaks out, hmm, where would I go? Can I jump here? Okay, I can't jump that far, but if I can get to these stairs, go down one step. Like, I have an escape route. I'm so, I don't know. I just do escape routes. That's like my thing. Escape I, routes. Be prepared, people. Okay. <laughs> I mean, as as you mentioned, very unique. I, I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> perspective, for oh, sure. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> so, another uh, question for you. When you look at Michelle's journey was there anything else that you would say resonated with you or stood out to you um what stood out to me was her making sure she highlighted all of the the women in her life at each step of the journey whether it's you know her mom you know raising her to be a good adult from the beginning whether the little silent battles that she would have with (laughs) Her Aunt Robbie, I loved it. I thought that was the cutest thing. And at the same time, it had a lot of, their little dynamic had like, it resonated with me because you can see that within different generations, we're always trying to, like you have to pass down your legacy, our story to the next generation. But the next generation is always going to be a little bit different uh, because we were born into something that's different. And so that little battle between, like, listen, I got this, and the whole, listen, listen to me, okay? (laughs) Like, I got this versus listen. But that made sense to me, and I I really like that that journey. Like, with her journey, there was always women. And another thing that, that stood out to me about the strong women in her life being her mother, if I'm going to focus on, was how is this was right towards the very beginning when her she said her mother taught her to think for herself and to use her voice and that really resonated with me and it reminded me of this quote that I actually ran across as a young child because I was a nerd I read books that as I that's what I do is what I did <laughs> um, but it's by Maggie Coon who is credited with being the leader of the Gray Movement um, that's a whole different thing but for senior citizen rights and things of that nature. But she always said, uh, she says, speak your mind even if your voice shakes. Mm -hmm. And that's very, very strong. And I feel like on a more female side, more feministic side, that women's voices are always 
somehow trying to be diminished or belittled and ridiculed even for just having a thought and an opinion and saying it. And so that really resonated with me because my mom always said, always be kind and respectful, but don't shut yourself up. If you have something to say, go ahead and say it. Even if you're scared, just say it because someone else needs to hear it. Exactly. So that's that's what stood out to me, and it made me think of that quote to speak your mind even if your voice shakes. You know, I was at a uh, Black History Month event actually at work, and there was an executive, African-American female, and um, just sharing different stories about her experiences. And one thing that I loved that she talked about was how you know that whole concept of having a seat at the table and so sometimes we have that seat at the table but then we don't say anything Mm -hmm. because we want to be perfect and so um but her her point was you weren't you were invited to that table for a reason and what you say doesn't have to be perfect because that seemingly crazy thing that you um that you say might actually end up like changing or shaping the business or you know being some type of like cultural disruptor so you just never know and so like you said being able um to have that confidence to still use your voice and not getting so caught up in being perfect Mm -hmm. um and not to say that obviously it doesn't come with challenges um as well especially uh when you're the only um in the room um but again you're not you're you're there because of your skills and your talents not to to meet some quota you're there because of your unique perspective so um, making sure that we do speak up and always share that right yeah speak your voice always do it there's a a sermon actually i remember hearing from one of my pastors in college and it was called victory in your voice Mm -hmm. so uh so honestly i think with this podcast every time that you know we get on the microphone um you know being able to give that voice to other women so yeah Mm -hmm. love it love it love it i'm here for it and women are very powerful Mm-hmm. And but that'll get me on my feminist girl power, um, soapbox that I like to get on. <laughs> but girl power. <laughs> yeah, she. Yeah, there. I with that. There's another uh, quote from Michelle. She says, "I have a habit that has sustained me for life: keeping a close and high spirited council of girlfriends, a safe harbor of female wisdom." So yeah. So like you mentioned, I mean. Um, just having those influential women in her life from her aunt Robbie to her mom, um, even her mentor in college, Cerny, who like took her to New York and, right. <laughs> and had her driving in like, New listen, York. I'm out the car now. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, <laughs> and, and, and actually encouraged her to start like that. Uh, well, essentially like a little, little camp, little camp, a little camp, you know, so being able to, yeah, exactly. Like, kind of seeing those giftings inside of her mm-hmm. right and really pushing her and of course Valerie Jarrett yes and I I love the dynamic with Valley Valerie Jarrett because uh the way she describes it and you can actually kind of see it whenever you see like photos etc it's like Valerie Jarrett is one is one of Michelle's trusted mentors and advisors but also one of Barack's, Barack's. Right. and it's um, and it's almost you know that equal 
part there. And of course, she ended up being a part of his administration. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, it's just really cool. And even her um, college roommate, Suzanne, who unfortunately um, ended up passing passing away. away. Spoiler alert. I I mean, I still want you to read the book. Definitely read it. (laughs) Yeah, because, but you see those elements that, again, that Suzanne was another person who was more of a free bird and really opened her up to um, I certain... think like that <laughs> opened her up for even being able to possibly accept like Barack <laughs> yeah. hippie cloud like uh, nature yes. <laughs> yes exactly yeah for sure and uh, so I know you you mentioned your <laughs> with, without going uh, too too deep into it, it it's uh, you mentioned your you know feminism, girl power, all these things. I just wanted to say, uh, I'm not sure if you had a chance to see it, but there's an episode of Blackish uh, this season where all the girlfriends were on there. And um, and it, it was awesome because it actually highlighted the differences between feminism and black feminism. And so there's so, a difference. So, uh, so I mean, you have to watch the episode because it's just hilarious. And all of the girlfriends are on there. So that's like amazing. But essentially, Bo takes Diane to this meeting, you know, because um, that's like a feminist group, et cetera. And the one of the leaders makes a comment that this current administration is the worst thing that's happened to women in America and so so of course Bo like raises her hand like wait a minute it's it's not the worst thing and they all like look perplexed and she's like slavery right so, so yeah so just so then you know ultimately she ends up in inviting uh the girlfriends to like come along to right. the next meeting and you know you just get to see that dynamic so to your point, without diving too deep into that, I, I think maybe, I don't know, maybe that's something that we can explore a little bit more on a future episode because I think it is definitely an important conversation in our nation, like the way, you know, just different people kind of um, define feminism. And even, um, I love to hear like men, like for example, Winston Duke, who you all know is my favorite. actually he considers himself a feminist and he you know speaks out on um, behalf of women's parody and uh, talks about his mother and his grandmother and just the impact that women have had in his life Um, so yeah he was actually an ambassador for um, this United Nations conference called he for she so yeah I think it's you know it's a it's a great conversation for sure us to dive into i would love to there's a lot of conversations that we need to be having in this country yeah like we need to talk yes like you know yes let's sit down and talk (laughs) yes yes and of course you know part of uh, my purpose here is to you know again make sure we're celebrating that brilliance of women of color and um because we are not always celebrated the way that we should be and uh and we want that to go beyond the month of february or even March, which we're thankful, yeah. you know, for for this time that we set aside, but really just making it um, our normal. Exactly. <laughs> Going back to our uh, original uh, point out there. So another question that I have for you, because I recognize, you know, you're about to get your master's, oh, which is very exciting. Congrats class. in advance. Just one more class left, <laughs> so I'm very proud. Uh, but... Um, 
because you are currently still like building and growing your career, I just wanted to know if there are any um, lessons that you felt like you learned from the book from Michelle that you think will be influential um, tools for you as you're continuing to grow in your career. Well, yes, not more so lessons, mm-hmm. but more so like resonating parts of Got it. Got it. Okay. That I very strongly identify with because <clears throat> quite different from the woman I am today, I did also, while being a free spirit, I still grew up wanting to have that like check, like check, check, check. Mm-hmm. And what she referred to as, like, an eager search for respectability. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, most people are very, like, uh, uh, when the people who know me now mm-hmm. are very, like, confounded when they, see, when they hear me talk about things I did as a young girl. But, you know, I have to remember, listen, I'm not just a young girl. I was a young black PK girl in South Okay, in the deep south, Louisiana, the Bible Belt. Um, so I also I did debutante and cheerleading and honors classes and like it was said. Okay, so oh, you're very smart. You speak your mind. Like go into law. <clears throat> so I actually started out in pre-law when I first went to college. Um, and one thing that got me was. What res- another part that resonated with me was when Michelle kept talking about the swerve. Because um, I always really loved literature. That was always my escape was books. Uh, when you're surrounded by boys, you have to escape. <laughs> so I escaped into literature and books and closed the door and read my books in peace. Um, somewhat peace. So I, I always had a minor in English. And then... Like, kid you not, a parent's worst nightmare. Like, my senior year, I was in these classes, and I hated them. I hated them. I found them intriguing, but Mm -hmm. I hated them so much, and I could not wait to get to my English classes. So I was like, you know what? Flip it. (laughs) I said, we're going to flip this bad boy. Let's major in English, just get this minor right here in political science, and let that be that. Um, but my my mom supported me begrudgingly because it was hap- it happened. Um, <laughs> like it kind of happened. Like oh, mom, I did a thing. <laughs> so I really identified with the the what she called the swerve. Um, and I also took some time off and did like a college program in Florida. And she was like. Are you going to graduate? I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this first. I'm going to get cultured, okay? I'm trying to be cosmopolitan. Understand, Mom. Um, that's how I, that's how I, I argued. Um, let's be cosmopolitan. So I, that was like another swerve for me. Uh, I love that. <laughs> so I went ahead and I, I did that. And I, I really resonated when she, she didn't understand the swerve. But then when she was at the cornerstone, like, I'm here, it's great, I've checked all these boxes, but I'm really considering a swerve, um, which I'm totally using for everything, like, a swerve is coming. (laughs) (laughs) It's something that is totally happening. Um, 
But that's one thing that really resonated with me was just breaking free and following my own path because I always, I always liked writing. I preferred to be reading and preferred to be writing, um, but I seemed to kept, keep trying to. I said I'd have to do something respectable because I don't want people to see me as just another, you know, black girl who's not doing anything. And because that's the that's a stereotype. And I'm like, I, I'm not going to be that stereotype. I'm going to overachieve, which is yet another stereotype of the overachieving black woman who is trying to do 20 times more just so someone can think that she is respectable. So I had to break free from that. There's a lot of breaking free. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I really resonated. And that's what I really got from it was just breaking free and making my own path and accepting like this is it like. I keep coming back to this for a reason. So this, I'm just going to swerve into this and just stay on this swervy lane right here. Um, so I really like that. That's what I mainly got from the book. I love that. Yeah, actually, the the title of the last episode um, <laughs> was The Expectation of Excellence. Right. And, you know, so we discussed, as you mentioned, kind of that undercurrent that takes place a lot of times uh, for African-American women. It's uh, just something that is innate almost because of all these other uh, pressures, et cetera. Um, So, yeah, so I think as you you mentioned, being able to swerve and still, you know, and even in your swerve, um, you know, you're able to now actually pursue a passion but even with those, you know, sometimes pursuing those passions, we still want to do it with a certain level of excellence. excellence. <laughs> like a certain level of excellence. And as I, something that you learn um, growing up, I guess it's a black culture thing, but especially for girls, we we tend to overdo it because it's like if we don't overachieve, then we're not enough. Like we have to do it twice as good to be considered barely enough even though we're overwhelmingly overqualified we're our overqualification is just what people would give us like okay well I guess you're qualified enough for this you know so there is that we have to break free from but you know (laughs) that's the I mean it's 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 something that for that's for women of all color Mm -hmm. but doubly so if you're a black woman Absolutely. Triply if you're in the south of the <laughs> United States of America. Yes. Quadruply so. I'm like, <laughs> everywhere else. <laughs> like, <laughs> But it's always, and yet what I love is that this book is very hopeful. And, you know, we always have hope. So we, that hope, hope is a, in my opinion, it's a very powerful tool and dangerous weapon. But... I try to definitely stay on the powerful tool side of it. And, you know, as they say, keep hope alive. <laughs> well, so so then we're going to put a pin there. Pin. <laughs> <laughs> because this is Black History Month, right? So you better recognize <laughs> And lift every voice and sing, you know, which is the National Black Anthem, is actually one of my favorite songs. And on the last episode, I mentioned that the becoming more section of this book feels like an additional verse to lift every voice and sing. So before I ask you 
This final question, I'm going to read, not sing. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, just, I mean, if you want to belt it out, yeah, you I mean, I will not. I don't judge. I I think that the <laughs> listeners enjoy my talking. I I haven't introduced singing yet, oh, so I'm yeah. gonna just stay out of that lane for now. But uh, I do want to just read the chorus as well as a verse of the song, and then I'm going to ask you final question. All right, so. <laughs> Uh, you're and and you're welcome to now listen if you want to sing in the background <laughs> uh, but so the song says lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring ring with the harmonies of liberty let our rejoicing rise high as the listening skies let it resound loud as the rolling sea sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. Facing the rising sun of our new day begun, let us march on till victory is won. So my question for you is, what in this book actually left you feeling inspired or hopeful? Um, wow, like, this whole book is a, it's inspirational, I would say. Agreed. Um, but the, I guess what really left me the most inspired um, and the most hopeful was just the presence of hope mm-hmm. that was always there. Um, I think more in like the the becoming us section, mm-hmm. and always littered through there was like. He's going to lose. Or maybe not. Like, he's going to be president. Is he going to be president? Maybe. And, you know, maybe is always like a the little, the little gate that you dare to open for hope to come through. Mm. And, like, I was, like, I, I was always raised on hope, you mm. know, because it was a big part of, like, my culture. It's a big part. A black culture, and I know, I guess I can speak for, like, the South is, like, doubly so, like, more in the South, where racism is still a little bit more in your face, um, definitely more in your face, and while you're raised to be cautious and ever mindful, you're also raised with the, with the, the hope from each generation mm-hmm. that's passed to each generation. And it's something that has really lifted us as a community um, that we might hope to just possibly get that opportunity to have a chance. Um, and that's a, that's a really powerful tool. It's, and it's very, very, very hard to kill hope. And I love how just the building in of hope is like it didn't just happen like I met this guy we got married he's really smart he became a senator and then he became president boom like it was like hope start hope was very small from the beginning but it was always present like and it just grew as you progress through the becoming us into the becoming more and even though, even at the end when she, they're, they're handing it over to the Trumps, like, you still feel like 
there's just a little bit of hope that this made enough of a lasting impression to fire up the next generation to keep hope alive and to keep it moving forward. So that was what I really got from it. Hope. Hope, everybody. Get it on the shirt. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, like it's like um, that Maya Angelou quote, which is, you know, we are our ancestors' wildest dreams. Right. And as you mentioned, just at every kind of intersection of the book, um, from like Michelle's life um, to the point of where she met <laughs> Barack, mm-hmm. who was an intern essentially, <laughs> right? Um, and um, yeah, and just like I, I love the way you put that. I, I agree. I think hope was definitely at the undercurrent of this book, and even you know now, I mean, despite everything that uh, has taken place in our nation. Um, I think that we as a people still do hold on to that hope. And, and also as, you know, believers, we um, also have that faith that, um, that heaven is going to, uh, is going to invade the earth ultimately. um, And is in, in many different ways, um, whether seen or unseen. So, But always working, always doing something. So that's keep hope alive. Awesome. And read the book. It is so good. I'm so mad that it took me so long to read this book because I always read every summer, every year, I I pick a theme, and that's like the books that I read because deep down I'm all, I will always be a book nerd. Um, last year was feminism um, in everything female, like from Amy Poehler to Mindy Kaling. Like, and this was on the list. And I was like, mm, I'm going to get on the beach and I'm going to read because I, I get my best reading on the beach. And But due to grad school, the beach only happened once. Um, so, yeah. But I kept hope alive. <laughs> you, kept, you kept hope alive and you read the book. Mm. And, um, yeah, no, I, you know, I agree. Like, I promised myself that I was not going to actually buy any more physical books but then Michelle's book when it came out uh I was in Target the day it came out and I was like well I have to support the first lady and so I bought the book in like November and like you said with this kind of um idealistic thought that Mm -hmm. oh you know during like the holidays and as I travel blah 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 I'm gonna be able to you know read it and I was able to start it but then you know life happened and so I realized for me if I really wanted to consume the book I was gonna have to um, get the audiobook and so I'm so glad that I did as I've mentioned on previous episodes just hearing her um, hearing her voice just added so much more texture to the story and then when I go back and I grab the physical book um, I feel like the words just leap off the page and then um, this past November she also gave us the Becoming Journal which has been fun to flip through as well because in it there's so many different uh, quotes as well as exercises that she kind of goes through It's and um, there's also one thing I love that's in like pretty much the middle of the book she's talking about how much you know music impacted her life so Mm -hmm. she you know shared all those stories about her grandfather and the records etc so in the middle of that book she also has like her 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 music list 
And she actually had my favorite song on that list, uh, which is I Love Your Smile by Shanice. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> a good 90s, a good 90s classic. She also had a video by India Irie on there, which I love India Irie. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, that's one of my favorite songs by her as well. And then, you know, of course, she had so many classics, you know, Motown records, all kinds of like artists from that era as well. So anyway, just it's it's really been nice to now kind of go through and, and read um, some of the exercises and like reflect. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I feel like Michelle just keeps on giving us more. Right. Um, I missed. I completely missed that. I missed a lot in the fog of grad school. <laughs> I missed. I missed a lot. I I've now that like this last since I had to wait to take this last class and my head has come up and I'm poking my head out the door and I'm like, what what what's happening? <laughs> what what did I miss? What what month is it? Is 2020 already? Oh, oh, I missed the whole... Blackish is on what season now? It's like, oh, gosh, no. No, no, I fell, I fell back on Blackish, I, I, no. Yeah, <laughs> Devante's in high school now. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Don't be playing that game. I know, I know you just... <laughs> Devante in high school! <laughs> no, no, he's not quite kindergarten age yet, but that'll be... And Grownish. I've been missing, missing Grownish. Like, listen, the binge that is going to happen after I get this degree, like... <laughs> Yes. I'm be gone. Yeah, because we yeah we have to discuss. There's yeah. Right. I love black. Blackish, grownish, mixedish is an excellent show as well. If you haven't had a chance to see it, uh, uh, with uh, it's basically it's Bo's origin story. So um, really incredible. Tika Sumter plays her mom. I mean, and she she's perfect like in every way. And <laughs> and 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 uh, Mark Paul Gosler also known as Zach Morris, right. plays the dad. So just a beautiful dynamic there as well. So Zach's a dad now. Yes, yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just again, <laughs> and her, and the, the, I can't think of the actress who plays her sister, but she's Aunt Dee Dee on there. And when I tell you she is, like, the embodiment of, like, one of your aunties, like, <laughs> like everything she says, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, you, you can just identify with it so much. So, yeah, so... During this Black History Month, mm-hmm. I'm 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 so glad that I was able to get you in the studio to right? talk about the Becoming book. Uh, maybe we'll, you know, do an episode at some point where we give some commentary on some movies that we've seen as well. I can uh, give you some commentary. <laughs> I, I always got something to say. <laughs> this is this is true. Uh, and actually, another kind of fun fact: you mentioned how you are into like. Um, all the you know k-pop and anime etc but because of your older brothers you um i know have a lot of like extensive comic book knowledge yes so it's kind of so explaining the difference between marvel and dc yes Yes. i I find myself doing it often and i also that also garners me the look (laughs) like that's what i just call them now the look like the shock wonderment but i think i like it that i'm talking to a girl she's black and she's telling me that DC is better than Marvel, and she knows what she's talking about. Yes. I mean, so, I think so. Well, yes, I, that, again, disclaimer. <laughs> the, you think so. I mean, no. <laughs> listen, no shade to Wakanda, okay? Wakanda forever. All right, Black Panther is where it's at. The women of Wakanda is where it's at. Just celebrated two years, by the way. Okay. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we love them, and I love them. However, oh boy, here we go. Batman is where it's at. Batman's my favorite super 
hero. And on top of that, my favorite villain is the Joker. And I know people are like, you shouldn't like villains. But that's the greatness about DC. The villains are so cool. The Joker and the Riddler are like the best ones. But that'll get me into a tangent. And I probably will not be able to get you to see <laughs> Birds of Prey with Harley Quinn and the rest of them. But that's all right. Yeah. Yeah, that one we. Yeah, I'll be there. Yes, you. I'll let you tell me about. I'll that I'll tell one. you about it. Which is this is the thing about you know having <laughs> movie, some movies we'll be watching and like the previews come up and we're like yes yes other ones it's like no, no. other ones maybe and then sometimes you know we have our uh, like. I want to see something, and she's like, absolutely not, vice versa. But it's, <laughs> but you know what? It's all good. It's all good. So, right. so again, thank you so much for being on Brown Girl Radiance podcast, and pray for a strong finish in grad school for you this final class. Yes. And uh, we will definitely uh, look forward to having you on Brown Girl Radiance at some point in the future. I would love it, and hopefully with, like, Melanin Pop up, um, which I'm launching March 8th. Look it up. There might not be a lot of uh, articles on there, but it's definitely going to be there. It's it's growing. It Despise growing. not the day of small beginnings. Okay. So I'm excited to check out melaninpop.net as well. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Brown Girl Radiance Podcast, please share it with a friend so that we can continue to celebrate and shine together. Brown Girl Radiance Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, CastBox, iHeartRadio, and Pandora. If you want to stay connected to Brown Girl Radiance Podcast, you can follow me on Instagram at Brown Girl Radiance Podcast. You can feel free to email me at Brown Girl Radiance Podcast at gmail.com.